The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. Miguel Racinos' long this year is 44. This is 48. He missed earlier from 37. The former walk-on, Racinos, to tie. It is good, Racinos! Tied at 10. Good for that young man. I thought Miguel Racinos had gotten the hook by Kurt Ferentz. And the young man, former walk-on, comes out and hits it right down Main Street. Hello and welcome to Quick Hits here on Hawkeyes Mike. I'm your host, Tyler Chumlin, at Tyler Chumlin on Twitter, at Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter. If you'd like to follow along with us, you can also interact with us. If you'd like to give us a call, you can call us at 1-866-744-HAWKS. That's 1-866-744-2957. Iowa coming off a bye week with a tough road test. Now look, it's Northwestern. It's not usually a tough place to play, but for some reason, Kirk Ferentz in Iowa, this place has been a house of horrors at Ryan Field in Evanston, and part of that's because Pat Fitzgerald's not a big fan of Iowa. He likes to beat Iowa, and he's had some success. Not as much recently as he had for a long time, but this series has been very even since Pat Fitzgerald took over. Kirk Ferentz has not been able to get over the style. Um, Northwestern runs the super back out there. It's kind of a different type of football, and Northwestern's been able to beat Iowa. So, tough game, could be a trap game. Ultimately, it ended up being kind of a trap game, kind of a strange, strange football game. Northwestern winning in the game 17-10. to I do things a little bit differently this year on Quick Hits here on Hawkeyes Mike. I'm going to go through very briefly, real quickly, what happened, what transpired. We're going to get to all sorts of audio, all sorts of analysis, all sorts of stats, breakdown. And then today... On Quick Hits, we have a very, very special feature, a very special guest, former place kicker and punter for the Hawkeyes, Ron Kaluzzi is going to join me. Going to go ahead and break things down with Kaluzzi, talk about the game, talk about the Hawkeyes going forward. Ron's a great guy, great interview. Um, he's fantastic to talk to, knows football, knows kicking. We're going to talk about his, uh, cook, his kicking camp, his uh, kicking clinic that he puts on. You can get personal lessons from Kaluzzi. We'll talk to Ron here coming up a little bit as well here on Hawkeyes Mike. So it's quick hits. I'm Tyler Trumlin. Let's go ahead and get into it. Hawkeyes win the toss. They receive to start the game. They get down to the Northwestern 28, but Nate Stanley's pass goes incomplete looking for Wadley. They go for it on fourth down and don't get it. Northwestern goes three and out. In this game, very interestingly enough, Josie Jewell did not play. Brandon Snyder did not play for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Jewell dressed, but he did not play in the football game. Afterwards, Kirk Ferentz was asked about it, and he basically said, look, it's one of those things that kind of popped up after the Illinois win and hasn't, hasn't been able to get better. Hasn't, it's kind of lingered on. Jewell tested it out, couldn't go in Northwestern. Ultimately, it was detrimental for the Hawkeyes, I think, on defense. Northwestern goes three and out, though, in the first possession. Iowa has a couple nice passes from Stanley on the, uh, on the repeat here. Matt Van gets 18 on one and then Noah Fant gets 17 and then a nice 22 yard scamper by Wadley sets up the field goal chance from the 19 yard line McGill Racinos misses big time shanks the field goal into the wind no blood Iowa can't get on the board Northwestern nothing doing though to respond Iowa three and out again this time at the end of the first quarter you got to respond when Northwestern's offense isn't going at the beginning of the game especially at Ryan Field you got to respond Iowa unable to do so 
Three and out. Then Northwestern gets it back. They turn the ball over on downs. Iowa, three and out again. They punt. Northwestern, 10 plays, 43 yards, still forces a punt. Iowa, punt again. Northwestern, punt. Lots and lots and lots of punts. It's a field position battle. It's an interesting football game from a standpoint of they're trying to feel each other out. They're trying, kind of trying to understand what each team is trying to do. And in the first half, it was kind of boring, you know, sitting there and watching this football game and a lot of punts. So 228 left in the half. Iowa gets the ball back at their own 23. Stanley finds Matt Vandenberg deep for 61 yards, pass with the wind, hits Vandenberg in stride, down to the Northwestern 16-yard line, pass complete, Iowa in business. Three plays later, Stanley finds Noah Fant for seven yards in the end zone, touchdown Iowa, 7-0 Hawkeyes. That is the score into the half. Iowa unable to get much going, Northwestern unable to get much going, then Stanley finds Vandenberg, sets up the Fant touchdown, 7-0 into the half. First two possessions in the second half, Northwestern starts with it, both result in punts, Northwestern goes 12 plays on their second possession in the second half, 66 yards, caps off a 6-yard touchdown run by Jeremy Larkin to tie the football game up at 7's square. Iowa can't respond, they punt, Northwestern gets down to the Iowa 32, but they turn it over on downs. Iowa goes 3 and out into the end of the third quarter. Fourth quarter, game is still tied 7-7. to Northwestern gets all the way down to the Iowa 16. Fourth and one, Iowa can't stop Thorson. He sneaks for the first down. Wildcats can't get a touchdown, but Kubander, he comes in and makes a 30-yard field goal, puts Northwestern up 10-7. The Hawkeye offense went into a shell in the second half. They couldn't get anything going. Not sure what it was. There were people in the stands yelling to give him wildly the ball. He couldn't get anything moving. Stanley couldn't get the offense propelled. They could not figure out a way to drive the ball down the field and punch it in the end zone. Going into these couple final possessions for the Hawkeyes, you're thinking, wow, Northwestern just took the lead 10-7. to Not sure if Iowa can score. Iowa gets the ball back. Third and eight, Stanley throws a pick to J.R. Pace. Smith-Marset not even paying attention down the right side of the field on the sideline in front of Northwestern's bench. Not even paying attention. Stanley turns it over. Huge detrimental pick. At this point in time, you're thinking, no way can Iowa come back from this. Northwestern turns it over on downs, though. Iowa gets the ball back with 5.30 left in the football game in the fourth quarter. Big third down play, third and eight. Conversion to Hawkinson for nine yards from Stanley. Then on fourth and one at the Northwestern 26. With a minute 35 left, Iowa's got a decision to make. Are they going to go for it? Are they going to try and kick a long field goal with the win behind them? False start on the play. Terrible, terrible mistake for the offensive line. The entire right side of the line jumped. Iowa decides they're going to trot Miguel Racinos back out there. He's going to attempt a field goal. He missed earlier in the game, kicking into the wind. He's got the wind behind him. He kicks it, sails up in the air, 48-yard field goal. The tie is good. Miguel Racinos, the junior, with a huge, huge field goal kick to force overtime in this football game. Here is Miguel Racinos after the football game on that big field goal leading up to it and how the conversations went on the sideline. You know, that's a 48-yarder. He's not made 48-yarders um, all the time this season, and he just missed one from only 35 earlier. So here's Racinos after the game talking about what went into that conversation with the coaching staff on the sideline prior to that kick. It was somewhat variable. Um, it was, the wind was a little strange out there, so um, it was basically one of those things where I would go up and tell Coach Woods, like, okay, like, I think we're in my range or, you know, or not. Um, so, but, you know, Colton and I had talked about it because, you know, I take his opinion kind of like a golfer, right? his caddy, more or less, but a little more important. But, um, but anyway, he said, you know, I really think if we, we could hit from 55 pretty easily with this wind. 
So, you know, then we told coach, we're like, well, you know, once we cross the 37, we're in range. So. 10 to 10, that's your score. We go into overtime. Iowa calls heads. They win the toss. They decide they're going to play defense. Northwestern gets the ball first. Second down, Thorson finds Jackson on the right side of the field. He goes 23 yards, a couple missed tackles for the Hawkeyes, gets down to the one-yard line. Two plays later, Thorson sneaks it in for the touchdown. 17 to 10. Iowa has to respond. Hawkeye possession. First down, Wadley goes for three yards on the ground. Second down, incomplete looking for Easley is Stanley. Third down, Wadley goes for four. Brings up fourth down. Iowa has to get three yards for the first down. Stanley drops. Noah Fant runs the exact same route, the exact same play. They scored the touchdown on. He's open. Stanley throws it. Hits Fant in the hands. Can't bring it in. Disappointing, disappointing dropped pass to end the football game. Northwestern victorious over Iowa. 17-10 in overtime. Here's Noah Fant after the game talking about that last pass drop. And what it ultimately meant, man, that's tough. Tough, tough, tough for a young kid to drop a pass at the end of a game. Here's Fant. Uh, exact same play. That's what I wondered. Yep. You figured you were going to be open? Yep, yep. Um, it's crazy how that works. Um, one play can be a touchdown. The other one can be a drop pass for the game. So, um, you know, I just have to work on it and uh, be consistent with it and uh, can't have any more drop balls. Iowa falls to four and three on the season. Northwestern moves to four and three um, on the season. Northwestern two and two in the conference. Iowa a bad one and three. We're gonna go ahead and take a real quick break here on Hawkeyes Mike's Quick Hits. I'm your host Tyler Chumman. Follow us on Twitter at Hawkeyes Mike. Check out all the other stuff. We got Stat Smackdown coming up for you. Reporters Notebook. All great sorts of things at the website at Hawkeyes Mike. When I get back, I'm gonna break down the stats. I'm gonna analyze this Iowa Northwestern football game, and then we are going to speak with former place kicker and punter Ron Caluzzi coming up on the program. This is Quick Hits on Hawkeyes Mike. Come on back for more after this quick break. Hawkeyes Mike programs are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, building strong and safe in the Midwest for over 50 years. Hello and welcome back to Quick Hits here on Hawkeyes Mike. I'm your host, Tyler Chumlin, at Tyler Chumlin on Twitter, at Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter. The Hawkeyes fall to Northwestern in Evanston at Ryan Field, 17-10 in overtime. Hawkeyes can't pull it off. It was a tough, tough, tough game. Let's go ahead and go through final stats for the two teams. Total yards, Iowa 312 to Northwestern, 339. Passing, Iowa had 223 yards, 19 of 33 with one interception. Northwestern 21 of 36 for 192 passing yards. No picks on the day. Rushing Northwestern 147 yards on 46 attempts. Iowa 89 yards only on 33 attempts. That's 2.7 yards per rush. That is very, very, very bad for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Northwestern 21 first downs. Iowa had 14 first downs. On third down, Iowa 5 of 17. On fourth down, they were 1 of 3. Northwestern 4 of 16 on third down and 50% 3 of 6 on fourth down some big fourth down plays for Northwestern in this football game penalties Iowa six or 50 Northwestern five or 40 time of possession very even the Hawkeyes 30 44 Northwestern 29 16 let's go ahead and 
dive into this first quote that I want to play for you. Rushing-wise, Iowa 89 yards. They went into a shell, could get nothing going on the ground in the second half. And Kirk Ferentz was asked about this after the game, and his response is, well, I'll just let Kirk let Kirk say it. Um, it's troubling if you're an Iowa fan. Here's Kirk after the game. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, I don't have the answer right there at this second, but – you know, first first half we moved the ball pretty well. You know, we had good drives, sustained drives, and uh, you know moved it. Didn't come up uh, with points the first two possessions, but uh, moved it into the wind. Did a good job that way. And uh, you know, the second half was clearly something different. You know, we got off to a, a really slow start. Uh, you know, first four or five possessions, I believe it was. And they got a little traction there to get back in the game. But uh, you know, there's ebb and flow in a game certainly. But uh, you know, it's. Comes down to details, and you know both teams playing hard. Well, Kirk, what's the deal with the running game? I don't know. Is his response that's troubling, especially when you've got a guy like Akram Wadley, who I still think can play at the next level. Um, possibly getting Butler back here in the next couple of weeks. He was asked about that after the game as well. He's in pads trying to practice, so that could be good. Uh, really, Torn Young, Ivory Kelly Martin, nobody else really got involved. It was kind of a tough game, tough sledding for Iowa, but ultimately they couldn't get much going in the running game. That is troubling if they can't get the running game going throughout the rest of the season. Let's go ahead and look at individual stats for Northwestern. Clayton Thorson, 21 of 36, 192 yards passing through the air. No touchdowns, no interceptions for Thorson. Rushing-wise, Justin Jackson, 25 carries, 93 yards. Jeremy Larkin had 7 carries for 32 yards and a score. And then Clayton Thorson was effective on the ground, 13 carries for 23 yards and a touchdown. Northwestern receiving, Macon Wilson, 5 catches for 47 yards. Bennett Skowronek, he was 4 for 40. Justin Jackson, 5 for 38. Garrett Dickerson, 3 for 30. Flynn Nagel, 2 for 19. Cameron Green was 1 for 10. And then Ramad Shioka Bowman, he was 1 for 8. On the Iowa side of things, Nate Stanley, 19 of 33. One touchdown, one interception, 223 yards. He was asked after the game what you can do going forward after a tough game like this. And here's Stanley afterwards basically saying, you know, you got to learn from your mistakes. Here's Nate Stanley after the game. Uh, just learn from it. You know, obviously it's done and over and we can't, can't take it back. Um, so you just continue to, to take it one day at a time, you know, to get the best that we can be. Iowa rushing, 26 carries for Wadley, 90 yards. That's three and a half average. Torn Young had two for four. Amir Smith-Marset had two for four. And then Nate Stanley had three for negative nine. Iowa receiving, Matt Vandenberg had three for 90, including a big 61-yarder that set up the touchdown. Nick Easley had four for 45. Noah Fant had three for 31 in the touchdown. Torn Young had a catch for 23 yards. TJ Hawkinson had two for 18. Amir Smith-Marset had two for six. Brandon Smith had one for five. And Akron Wadley had three for five. Iowa's defense. They missed their leading tackler, Josie Jewell. Other guys are able to step up. Bo Bauer steps in there. He leads the way with 12 total tackles. Eight of those were solo tackles. Ben Neiman had 11 total tackles on the on the day. Imani Hooker had seven. Jake Gervas had six. Nathan Budget had six. Manny Ragumba had six. Nice to see Ragumba get in there and play some this week. Uh, Anthony Nelson had five. He had a tackle for loss as well. Uh, Budget, Budget had a sack, and a sack and a half, actually. Josh Jackson had four tackles. Kevin Ward had four tackles. Matt Nelson had four tackles. Parker Hesse had four tackles. Garrett Jansen had a couple. Cedric Lattimore had a couple. And then there were a lot of guys with one tackle on the day, including A.J. Epineza. He was involved in a couple of quarterback hurries, no tackles on the day. That's it for stats. Iowa struggled, struggled at times in this Northwestern game. And it's amazing, a month ago, we're talking about a team that barely lost to Penn State at home. Penn State, I think, is the best team in the Big Ten. And now you've got a team who's gone on the road to Michigan State and looked really bad. 
come home, struggled, but get a good, nice little win over Illinois, and then go on the road and lay an egg, essentially, against Northwestern. Trust me, it was an egg. I know it went into overtime. I know it was 17-10, but if you watch that game, it was laying an egg. They did not play well in that football game. So it is what it is. Iowa has to move on. And ultimately, when it's all said and done, you know, you have to look at what they have to do in terms of each side of the ball and collectively. And I think Matt Vandenberg puts it perfect, and that is very simple. I'll let Matt Vandenberg say it, the senior wide receiver for the Hawkeyes. Here he is. Previous question, we just got to go back. You know, we got to look at the tape, take off, but we need to take off a bit tomorrow and then uh, get ready for next week. Get back to work. It's that simple. They got to get back to work. They got to find what worked against Penn State. They've got to find what worked against Iowa State. Find what worked against a pretty good North Texas team. Now we're seeing how good North Texas is and ultimately what worked in that fourth quarter against Illinois. They've got tough games coming up. They get Minnesota this coming week. Should be a very, very tough game for the Hawkeyes. Then they get to go on the road here coming up in a few weeks. And they get Ohio State at home and at Wisconsin and Nebraska at home. And there's a Purdue game. in. I mean, it's a tough schedule going forward. They play the number five team, the number six team in the country in Ohio State and Wisconsin. And it's tough sledding. Where are you going to find those wins at? I still think there are wins out there. I still think the win, you know, you can beat Minnesota. They can beat Purdue. They can beat Nebraska. I still think they can go on the road and beat Wisconsin. Heck, they could beat Ohio State at home. This team has shown that they can play up to the talent level. They almost beat Penn State, but right now things are not good. So we're going to talk about that with Ron Caluzzi coming up here in a little bit. This is Quick Hits around Hawkeyes, Mike. Once Caluzzi joins us, we're going to talk to him about that. We'll go ahead and wrap everything up, make it a nice big bow. We'll get you your Big Ten scoreboard as well, as we always do here on Quick Hits. But before I move on to Caluzzi, I want to play this last clip by Wadley. Wadley... I like Akram Wadley. I like him a lot. I think after the games, when they win, he's vocal. After the games, when they lose, he doesn't want to talk. He gives you the no comment. Um, I think at one point in time, he asked me to ask him another question. But here's Akram Wadley after the game, a very short-spoken Akram Wadley about what Iowa has to do going forward, and it's pretty simple. So I got to come together and stay together. Keep working. Got to come together. That's it. Iowa has to come together and the guys that made mistakes, the guys that had bad plays, can't let those bad plays spiral out of control. One of those guys is Noah Fant. Noah Fant's had a lot of good things and Kirk Ferentz knows it. Here's Kirk Ferentz after the game talking about Noah Fant. How he's done so many good things. You can't let this one bad thing, this one bad drop overshadow all the good. Yeah, he, he's doing a lot of really good things for us and it's, it's again, it's probably illustrated of our football team right now. We're not quite there yet and when you're not quite there, you, you come up short, uh, be it by a touchdown or um, this one was a, a touchdown in overtime, so um, you know that's just that's part of this process. And hopefully, you know he's done a lot of really good things. Mm-hmm. I think that's illustrative of our team too. We're seeing a lot of really positive things out there. Um, so you, you got to play through those. And you know nobody's more disappointed than him on that. But we, we don't lose a game on that. But there are a lot of plays you can go back and look at. And maybe as big as any was the quarterback scramble. Um, mm-hmm. Whatever it was third and forever, the guy you know made a good run on that one. So. Um, and, and what my game about was, you know, we, we didn't blow that. The guy just made a really good play. So, so that's a tough. Kirk Ferentz after the 17-10 loss to Northwestern in Evanston in overtime. This is Quick Hits around Hawkeyes Mike. I'm your host, Tyler Chumlin. We're going to take another real short break. When we get back, we're going to talk to former Hawkeye place kicker and punter Ron Caluzzi here on Quick Hits. This is Quick Hits around Hawkeyes Mike. Come on back for more. Wadley the tailback. And movement at the line by Iowa. Oh, my. Who will it be against? Ball start. Offense. Five-yard penalty. Fourth down. Catastrophic. Now they're going to kick, maybe. Works in the right side of the line.
How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on up to 10 washings. Moisturizes, alcohol-free, and safe for the kids. So go ahead, touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet. Prefins, keep your hands germ-free all day. Welcome back to Quick Hits here on Hawkeye's Mike. I'm your host, Tyler Chumlin, at Tyler Chumlin, at Hawkeye's Mike on Twitter. Pleased to be joined now by former place kicker and punter for the Iowa Hawkeyes, Ron Caluzzi. Ron's been on our programs these last couple weeks. He's been making guest predictions and picks, and it's nice to have you on, Ron. It's um, it's good good talking to you for the first time here on Hawkeye's Mike. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, it's been awesome uh, doing doing the show with you guys. Thank you. Yeah, we're um, we're having a good time with you. Your predictions are interesting. I like the um, I like the kicker slant. Always talking about weather, and uh, it's uh, it's good. Good to have you on. So we'll uh, look forward to doing this as we kind of go down the line here and um, have a good time with you. So, um, what have you been up to? I know you've been coaching a lot. Uh, you were telling me just before we came on here that you were uh, you were just coaching yesterday, actually, for quite a few hours. Yeah, I've uh, been coaching. I actually uh, moved to the Naperville area back home. And I'm selling real estate with, with my dad. Let's we'll take a look at some of the stuff that we've. I don't want to jump right into Iowa, only because um, yesterday it was kind of a kind of a stinker of a game, not not a great game. But let's talk more along the lines of some of the positive aspects of how things have gone. I think um, the one the one highlight yesterday was probably the special teams. I know Racinos missed one kick, but he made a big kick, and the and the punting has been pretty good. Let's start there. Ryan Grisande stepped in there. What is your what have your thoughts? What's been on him so far? Brian Gersundes, you know, very poised, and he's young, but, you know, growing confidence is hard to attain. I know Ryan's got all the tools necessary to, to be a successful punter, but as he gets more reps, you know, it's it's just going to come, and he's going to do even better than what he's doing right now. You know, and when it comes to my predictions every week before Iowa plays their next opponent, uh, you know, I stick to what I know. I don't want to talk about the – the running back, the running game, or the uh, you know defensive uh, game or offensive game. I stick to special teams. I specifically stick like stick to specialists, just because that's what I know. And I'm not going to talk about something that I don't know. And Ryan Grisande is he's a great guy. I've met him and hung out with him several times, and he's got all the tools to be successful. Um, excited to see where his career ends up. How was that for your progression? I mean, you obviously started um, Central Michigan, you punted there, and then you ended up at Iowa for your last year. And how long did it take you necessarily? I, I don't want to. I don't know if you can maybe think of a time, or maybe there was some point in time where you know it just all of a sudden clicked. Okay, this experience is finally paying off. This whole thing seems to finally kind of start clicking in my mind. Was there a ter- certain time you can maybe think back to when it was like, oh yeah, I kind of get this now? And do you remember maybe like a um, maybe a game or a specific set of events that you're, you're getting all this experience at Central Michigan? You're out there, you're playing when. You're talking more kind of kind of about Grisande, his ability to get the experience, and that's what's going to ultimately make him a good punter. Was there maybe a certain time or a certain game that maybe you remember that you were able to say, yeah, I'm, I'm finally kind of starting to get it, this experience is starting to pay off? My fourth year at CMU, my third year playing, playing at Central Michigan, I started hitting the ball better and better uh, as the season went on, and it kind of clicked watching these other guys that were my age play on TV whether it was, you know, somebody in the Big Ten or somebody in the SEC, I knew I could compete with these guys because I went to camps with them all over the country. 
and a lot of them were close buddies of mine uh, that I stayed in touch with over the years. And, you know, I told myself there's no reason why I can't compete at that level. So I took a risk and uh, I transferred after I graduated from CMU and uh, put it all on the line to play at Iowa. And if I were to do it all over again and gamble like I did, you know, I would do the same exact thing. You know, sent Iowa was the, the best experience I ever had when it came to football and uh, learning and knowing what it close what it means to be uh, close with your teammates and what it's like to be a part of a, a family uh, and a football culture. It was awesome. I guess kind of bouncing off of that, Iowa lost yesterday, so they moved to 4-3 and three on the season. They're 1-3 in the Big Ten. You talk a lot about that culture and that family atmosphere, and I know Kirk Ferentz is a, is a big part of that, and that's one of the reasons a lot of Iowa fans have, have tolerated over the years. You know, every now and then they'll go down a little bit because, you know, in a couple of years it's going to go back. How does Iowa bounce back? How do they, you know, you're halfway through the year right now. You're just over halfway. How do they bounce back? How are they able, how can they use that atmosphere, that culture, to try and rebound against Minnesota and ultimately try to improve for the rest of the year? Well, with any program, you know, their success definitely lies on everything that the head coach does and, you know, just trickles down from the rest of the so on and so forth. But Coach Ferentz does a tremendous job in uh, making sure that his, his players are appreciative for, you know, what they have, but more importantly, uh, taking advantage of every opportunity that they're given. And having said that, you know, it's going back to the basics, uh, whether it's in the weight room or on the field or in the classroom watching film, you know, he, he makes sure that uh, everyone is fine-tuned with things that they go over during the off-season and things that they go over during camp. These little uh, miscellaneous tasks that kind of are beaten in your brain. Uh, so when you're on the field, it just becomes routine. What I'm trying to say is he's built this culture in the past 18, 19 years of having a program that does the right things, has a blue-collar mentality of hard work, pays off in the end so you know i'm not writing off iowa for the rest of the season at all you know they're they're gonna put their uh head to the grindstone and go to work you know that's this the program that coach ferentz has has built and he's he's uh his resume basically exemplifies that exemplifies what i'm talking about and i'm excited to see uh where these these guys go in the next uh couple weeks here because they're a program that fights they don't uh let you know let down or let other people or a loss bring them down you know they they fight no matter what it is one of those guys that'll have to be really important and an integral part of that um as they go forward here is going to be the place kicker and Miguel Racinos kind of had up and down day yesterday. He misses a 37-yarder in the first quarter, but he's able to come back and he nails a 48-yarder to force overtime at the end. How tough is that to flush a missed kick or a bad play and then come out and make a critical play like that? I mean, he had ice in his veins at that point in time. That 48-yarder was a bomb. Yeah, it's uh, it's not easy to do. Um, I definitely give a lot of credit to Miguel Racinos for coming back after that miss and hitting that pressure kick to put the – uh, team into overtime, but you know I teach my kids at Kaluzi kicking that every kick is the same kick. I don't care if you're hitting an extra point at the beginning of the game in the first quarter, or or if you're hitting a game-winning field goal that's 55 yards on the right hash with two seconds left, and it's for the win. Every kick is the same kick, um, and you know my guys know that kicking is 90% mental, and when you get out there and you can accomplish anything. Um, 
you know, there might have been something going out the snap or something going out the hold when Miguel missed that, his first field goal yesterday. We don't know. The only three guys that really do know are the snapper, holder, and kicker. The rest of the stadium sees, you know, the rest of the world sees a kick that didn't go between the uprights. And they're always going to blame the kicker. And that's what sucks about being a kicker. That's what's uh, not necessarily fun about being a punter. You are the one who is to blame, no matter what happens. So uh, what I'm trying to say is Miguel's a great kicker. He's very poised, he's very mature. And for him to come back and hit that last kick to put the team into overtime, um, it's just a credit for who he is and what I, you know, explained him to be. He's, he's a great guy, and he puts his uh, head down and goes to work when it's time to work, and he deserved to make that kick. Is there something to be said about you miss a kick and then you bounce back and you make a kick about the confidence level there? Just seeing the ball go, seeing the ball float the way you want it to, seeing the ball go through the uprights the way you want it to. I'm sure, I'm sure the answer is yeah, confidence is huge. But I would imagine seeing that and actually visualizing that and having a place to build off of, I would imagine that's probably pretty big for a kicker. Yeah, confidence is uh, probably one of the biggest things that you can attain when you are a kicker. If you are not confident in yourself, you're not going to be successful. You visually have to see yourself succeed mentally um, before the play happens. You're not going to go onto a field with 100,000 people in the stands or millions of people watching on TV and tell yourself, oh, I suck. I'm going to miss this kick. No. You need to go out there and you need to tell yourself, no matter what the odds are, I'm going to come out on top and I'm going to drill this field goal between the uprights and I'm going to prove everybody wrong that doubted me. Um, confidence is very key when it, be, when it comes to a kicker and Miguel is very confident. He's always been a confident kicker um, just the way he carries himself. He's not cocky. He's very uh, um, confident. So, you know, it, it didn't surprise me that he came back and made that second field goal to put it into overtime. Talking to Ron Caluzzi, former Iowa kicker and place kicker and punter, caluzzikicking.com. Ron, coaching now, it's good to talk to you after, you know, you were at Iowa. I know we had, there were some interesting interviews and some really interesting happenings. I won't bring any of those things up. I know you've, I know you maybe want to put a couple of those things in the past, but um, sounds like you're doing pretty well. <laughs> talk a little bit about um, Caluzzi kicking and how things are going for you. Things are going great. You know, I'm uh, coaching around the Midwest. I'm gaining more and more students as time goes on. Uh, I just worked with uh, a kid named Ben from uh, Nebraska, and his family drove out to Iowa City uh, this weekend. You know, I worked with him along with a few guys from Iowa City, someone from Cedar Rapids. I'm working with kids that are young as uh, 12 years old. You know, Brady Stifler is a a sixth grader who's hitting 30-yard field goals. You know, and it's Kaluzi kicking is a lot of fun. It's it's a chance for me to give back uh, all the talent that I was given, and it's a chance for me to um, stay close to the game. But importantly, you know, I've been teaching these guys the X's and the O's uh, when it comes to football and how to kick a ball efficiently and consistently. But more importantly, I'm teaching them how to get through adversity, how to become a young man and go through adversity, whether it's being fired and having to uh, pay for your your family when you're 50 years old and you lose your job and you got to find a new job, or, you know, whether it's uh, going through uh, bankruptcy or, you know, all the challenges. 
just, you know, people dealing with the hurricane that just happened down south. Life throws many different curveballs at you, and kicking and punting is a, a testimony of that. So that's why I love it. That's why I love giving back and helping out these guys get through the, the things that they're going through, whether it's, you know, in high school dealing with, you know, going to prom or trying to find out what they want to study in college. You know, it's, it's something that I can give my advice to and my background and help out. I'm all about helping as much as I can because, you know, when you lay your head at night, your, your head on the pillow at night, you want to be able to say to yourself, hey, did I do everything I can for someone else today rather than, hey, what did I accomplish today for myself? So Calusa Kicking's going great, having a lot of fun. Um, getting to know my my clients and just seeing them progress. If someone's interested in being one of your clients, getting involved in Kaluzi Kicking, what do they need to do? What kind of information can you provide them if they need to get a hold of you to try to be a part of that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you can follow me on any social media platform, whether it's Instagram, Facebook. I'm working on a Pinterest, but, you know, not sure if I'm going to get into that or not. But <laughs> you can contact me directly at uh, ron at com. That's my personal email. Good stuff. Well, Ron, it's really, really good to talk to you for the first time here on Quick Hits. Looking forward to uh, having you here on Hawkeye's Mic uh, with predictions and other stuff on air. Good stuff, man. It's uh, Looking forward to uh, you being a part of our team here. Thank you. Yeah, I, I really appreciate you having me on board, and I'm looking forward to working with you guys. Uh, I love, love hearing from you. Good stuff. Well, best of luck going forward this week, and I uh, look forward to talking to you down the line. Awesome. Thank you. Best of luck to you guys as well. Great stuff from Ron Caluzzi, their former kicker, former punter for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Now you can check out all of his new stuff. You could have him be your coach, ColuzziKicking.com. Check it out. Get in touch with Ron. Look forward to talking to Ron more and more here on Hawkeyes Mike. Uh, he's going to jump on with us time to time, talking to John on the program uh, as they go throughout the week on the Reporter's Notebook, um, as well as he's going to continue to give his predictions that we put out each week with Scott Docterman, Batterson, as well as uh, Jack and John and myself. So looking forward to having Ron Caluzzi Caluzzi joined us here on Hawkeyes. Mike should be a lot of fun. He's a great interview. He's a great guy to talk to. So thanks again to Ron Caluzzi for joining us here on Quick Hits. Let's go ahead and put a bow on this week's Quick Hits. Big 10 scoreboard from around the league. Rutgers upsets Purdue at Rutgers 14-12. Wisconsin, the number five team in the country, no problem with Maryland 38-13. Number 18, Michigan State was able to pull it out against Indiana 17-9. Minnesota victorious fleck ball 24-17. And then the big one that everybody was looking forward to, eh, not a very good game. Number two, Penn State 42, number 19, Michigan 13. What a game by Penn State. Statement game for Penn State. Uh, games next week, big one coming up for Penn State. They will go to the shoe to play Ohio State, number two versus number six. Six. That should be one heck of a football game. Penn State wins that one, and they've got the inside track to not only the Big Ten Championship game in Indianapolis, but they've got an inside track, in my mind, to uh, the college football playoffs. So it should be very interesting to see how things shake out next week. This has been Quick Hits here on Hawkeyes. Mike, I want to say thank you again to Ron Caluzzi for joining us this week. We'll be back next week after Iowa squares off for the Floyd of Rosedale with the Minnesota Golden Gophers. The first time the Hawkeyes get to play good old P.J. Fleck. Should be a good time. Check out all the other stuff we've got here on Hawkeyes Mike this week. The Reporter's Notebook, the Stat Smackdown. I think we do a tremendous job. We've been doing this for 11 years here on Hawkeyes Mike. Love interacting with you guys on Twitter, at Tyler Chum and me personally, as well as at Hawkeyes Mike. If you want to interact with John, Jack, myself, check it out. Be a part of it. It's a lot of fun. Look forward to it. If you ever want to be a part of our Hawkeyes Mike team, to advertise with us, email us info at hawkeyesmike.com. Let us know. Love, love you being a part of our organization here at Hawkeyes Mike. 
Credit to ESPN2 for clips used in this program. So that's going to do it for us this week on Quick Hits. Again, thanks to Ron Kaluzzi. I am your host, Tyler Chumlin. I will be back next week. Thanks for listening. This is Quick Hits here on Hawkeyes. Mike. And broadcast school has really paid off. Are you looking for a new, rewarding career with great benefits? TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal in Ely, Iowa, just south of Cedar Rapids, provides great career opportunities with wages starting at $20 an hour, including benefits. Give TNK a call today at 319-848-4191 or toll free at 1-800-383-7663 to begin your roofing career today. $20 per hour starting wage, including benefits. You can't beat that. Give TNK a call at 319-848-4191 or toll free 1-800-383-7663. 383-7663. You can also visit their brand new website at tkroofing.com. TNK Roofing, a proud union company and member of Built by Pros in Eastern Iowa. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC.